listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Hi, I'm Ryan. We're in a series called Our Lives, His Vision. And really what we're talking about in this series is the lifelong process of discipleship that we're called to as followers of Christ. It's that macro and micro. It's that lifelong and daily process that we engage with as we follow Jesus with our lives. Last week, Britt shared with us around Abide and really got to the heart of it, the heart of what it means to do this. She inspired us to follow Jesus by abiding with him. I loved it when Brett unpacked how God has a plan for our lives. He plans to use our lives as we abide with him for his purpose to go out into the world. And today we're going to unpack that a bit more. We're going to dive into that a bit deeper and and start to look at some scripture around that. As I was thinking about the different scripture passages we could use to talk through this, I started by thinking about Abraham. And I was really struck by, in Genesis 24, how Abraham gets up and goes out. He leaves where he lives and he starts walking. He goes. And what really struck me was that Abraham didn't know as he left with God, as he went with God in his life, he didn't know where this was going to end up. He hadn't yet been told that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. But Abraham got up and went. See, it wasn't about what Abraham was going to do. It was about who Abraham was walking with. I started thinking as I was working through this and start thinking about Moses and how Moses responded. If you know scripture well, you'll know that Moses was on a hillside and he was um, captivated by this burning bush and he paused, he stopped, he went over and he went to, he was intrigued by what God was doing. It's easy to think of Moses as this guy that um, did the impossible. I mean, when you think of Moses' mission, he was was called by God to go and lead the captives out of bondage, lead them away from from this oppressive Egyptian regime. And even more amazing than that, he was called to lead them away from this oppressive regime, but he was also called to lead a people who didn't want to be led. They didn't want to leave at times. But we can forget that Moses was actually the shepherd stood on a hillside. And when God calls out from the burning bush, when God says, Moses, Moses, Moses stops and says, here I am. See, Moses didn't go to do the great thing. He followed the great God. And that's really what we're talking about when we're talking today about abiding. We're looking at who we abide with. So I want to unpack today, I want to, I want to dive into scripture and I want to dig into what the Bible says about abiding. We're going to look at two main questions today. The first is, what does it look like to abide? And we're going to look at what scripture says that abiding looks like. And the second, we're going to look a little bit at uh, uh, people from the Bible, that how they lived a life marked by abiding. So we're going to look at what it looks like and how they did it. So we're going to start in scripture. Grab your Bibles if you've got them. It's going to be on the screen as well. We're turning to John 15 verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes 
so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word of God I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is John recounting the words of Jesus. Many of you have heard this passage many times before. It's a very famous passage of scripture about what it means to abide with Jesus. And we're going to dive into this. And, and I'm, I'm praying, I'm hoping that you will get something new from this today. So I'm just going to pray quickly. Father, I just pray for this word that's about to be given. I just pray fresh revelation, fresh eyes to see, fresh encouragement to us, Lord, as we dive into in a new way what it means to abide with you. I pray that over everyone listening in Jesus' name. This process of abiding that I feel that, that John 15 captures so well, really what it captures is that you are connected. You are the branch, he is the vine. You are designed to be connected to the living God. That's who you are. The reality is the human condition is that we are, we are built, we are made with a God-shaped hole inside our hearts, inside our being. Um, you, I, I know this because I've, I've walked through the, a time where I didn't have God in my heart and I tried all the things to, to create identity myself. I went to the parties, I went and ran the marathons, I sought out the work promotion, I tried to accumulate the stuff. We do these things as humans because we, we have at our core a need to have identity, a need to be, to be known for something. And I think sometimes I'm still figuring this out. Um, as I was prepping this sermon, those thoughts come in of how's this going to be received? How are people going to view me? But the reality is I'm not the sermons I give. I'm not the things I do. I'm not the things I achieve. I'm God's. I'm defined not by what I do, but who is with me. I am who is with me. Your identity isn't something that you do. It's who you are and who you are with. God has made you for his purpose. That's who you are meant to be as his people. So what does abiding look like in scripture? I want to drill into a few different elements of this passage that we've just read. The first, he cuts off, he prunes. So you're abiding, where you abide with God, where you spend time with God, where you're connected to this living God is where he works in your life. It's really interesting that, that society almost lives by this mentality of do what makes you happy. 
There's almost this Greek hedonism that comes into our modern day thinking, which is avoid pain and suffering, avoid it and lead the good life. And scripture's so countercultural. The way of God is so countercultural where God says, come to me. I'm going to cut off branches from your life. I'm going to prune you as you walk into Christ's likeness, as you become more of who God has called you to be. That's a countercultural way of life. And God does that as you abide with him. So that's the first thing I want to draw on, that abiding is about pruning. It's about refinement. It's about God working in your life. This is where God works. The second thing I uh, wanted to draw on from this passage is where it says, if you remain in me and if you do not remain in me. It's really interesting as we think through abiding, we can we can go to two, two schools of thought. We can go to, um, firstly, this is something that we go and do. This is some time out where we go and do this abiding part of our lives. But that's not actually what Scripture tells us. It's a continuous thing. We remain in it or we choose not to remain in it. So that's the first thing we get wrong, I think. We think that abiding is a little bit of my day. It's a little portion of my life that I go and do that. When actually scripture shows us that it's a posture that we are to be in. It's not something we go and do. It's something we are. The second mistake that I think we make when we think of this concept of remaining in this posture of abiding is that we don't consider that this is an active posture. It's something that we have to fight for, something that we have to push for in our lives. Scripture tells us that if you remain in me, if you do not remain in me, often we can think that being with Jesus is something that will just happen when actually we live in the busiest time in history. We're connected 24-7, and this is something we need to fight for with our lives to bring ourselves into the presence of God. God is always close. We are often distant. I, uh, I think about how I've done this through my life and my, if my life's anything like your life, I've done it well at times and poorly at times. If you've been around Red for a while, you would have heard us say, win the day, get up and win the day, spend time in scripture in the morning, have a devotional, have a quiet time with God. And really winning the day for me has often become this springboard from which I change my posture, that I step into the day and that carries through my day. I, uh, a while back, a couple of years ago now, I was really convicted about how to bring a, the abiding presence and my state of abiding with God more fully through my day. And I just made this decision to, every time I pass through a doorway, to choose to posture my heart in prayer and acknowledge that God was there with me, that I was walking with Jesus. And it was amazing as I did this, as I entered meetings, as I left buildings and got into Ubers as I just went about my life, how these simple things brought me more and more into this more continuous posture of remaining in the state of abiding with God. The third thing is this, abiding creates alignment. Scripture says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I... Uh, I've thought about that over the years as well. And um, I think when I was uh, less mature in my faith, I thought that um, 
that meant that just ask what you want and God will give it to you. But actually what God does as we remain in him, as we abide with him, we stop wanting what we want and we start wanting what God wants. Isaiah says, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. When we abide with God, we get into this sync, this rhythm, this alignment with God, and we start living for him. And then the fourth thing, our fourth observation about this passage I want to make is where it says abiding bears fruit. This is to the glory, to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God's fruit, God's expansion of his kingdom through your life is his plan. God wants to use your life so that he can bring fruit into this world. But there's a real caution here. There's a real caution. The voice of the enemy, the voice of condemnation can come in at this point. I'm not bearing much fruit. Am I really following? I'm not capable. Maybe it's I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. There's a truth in all of these things and the enemy often takes these things and twists them because the reality is we are not enough, but our God is. And as we follow him with our lives, we learn that in a fuller way. And we're going to unpack that more as we progress through this series, as we start talking about the the go element of abide, renew, go. We'll start to give you some real uh, practical ways in which that you can understand who God is in your life as you walk. But for now, know this, as you abide, God grows in your life. God's way permeates through your being and his glory will go out to the world through that. That's a promise. You will bear fruit with your life as you follow God. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you've been. It's a promise of God to his people. So, yeah, these are the the four things, the the revelations of what it means to abide well, what Scripture says about uh, abiding well. And then at this point, as I was planning uh, today's talk, um, I started thinking about, well, who does this? Who does this in Scripture that we can look at and learn from? And I got thinking as a there's any number of people that you could pick from Scripture that have walked with God and you can be inspired by that, but someone that... Um, I particularly love, and I don't know if it's just because I relate to him in his failings as much as his successes. I love Peter. So Peter is uh, one of the disciples. He's originally called Simon. Jesus renames him. He gives him this name, Peter. He says, you, which means you are the rock. You are the rock on which the church will be built. I love Peter. He's got energy. He's got enthusiasm. He's got this vigor about his life. He desperately wants it, and he, he chooses to follow Jesus. And I also love him because he gets it wrong. He mucks up. He falls face down in the mud a number of times. I'm going to take you into Scripture, into a few different verses to look at Peter's life. So the first is this, still in the book of John, John um, 18. So the story is this. So uh, Peter's been journeying with Jesus for a while now. He's been walking with him and Jesus has been, Jesus' earthly ministry has been happening and Peter's been seeing that and witnessing that and getting involved in that. And it comes to the time where Jesus is 
giving himself over, giving himself over to pay the ultimate price for humanity, to go to his crucifixion, to walk to the cross. And there's the, the high priests are gathered with some soldiers and, and, and the relevant dignitaries, and they've come to take Jesus and, and grab him and take him away. And, um, and Peter doesn't like this. This isn't Peter's plan. This isn't how it's going to work out. Peter had a different idea of what it meant to be the Messiah. Peter had a different view of how this thing was going to, going to play out. And Scripture says this. So I'll read from um, verse 8. So they ask, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus says, I told you that I am here. Jesus answered, if you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of these you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant's ear, cutting off his right ear. And then Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? When I read this, I'm... Oh, I'm captivated by Peter. I've almost part of me is like, oh man, this guy gets up and gets on with it and he gets stuck in. But more mesmerizing than that is Jesus. Put it away. This is not my plan. See, what Peter does in this moment is he actually steps in front of God's plan. So that's the first posture I want us to consider today as we think about abiding those times where we step in front of God's plan, where we take control, where we step into our will, our way. Because ultimately in those moments, we don't trust in God. We operate in our own strength, and as we do that, we diminish the opportunity for God to be God through our lives. It's really uh, funny in scripture how you go on a few verses and you hear another story about Peter. So this time Jesus, now Jesus has been taken, he's been captured and he's been taken away and Peter's lagging in the background with some others and he's with another disciple and he's following but he's keeping a distance. Simon, Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty, and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. And he replied, I am not. This is the second posture that Peter takes. This second posture, this posture of denial, this posture of stepping back from God's plan. See, Peter flips from this get it under control to a loss of control, to a giving up, almost in a moment. Seemingly five minutes ago, he's bold with a sword swinging. And now some, some versions of this Bible, some translations say she was a servant girl. This isn't an adult, this is a girl, and he's, he's afraid of a servant girl and stepping into God's plan in front of a servant. So this is the second posture. We can step back from God's plan. We can give over control. We can let go of his will and way. 
And really in this posture, it's not that we don't have trust, it's now we don't have faith in God's plan. We don't have faith in God. I've been both these versions of Peter. I've tried to do it myself and then I've become despondent and given up. I've been both these versions of Peter in my life. Maybe you have too. But the good news is this, there's a third posture that Peter takes. If we jump forward to the book of Acts, Jesus has now gone to the cross. He's died. He's been risen again. He's risen. He's defeated the grave. And the Holy Spirit has gone out at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit has come on the disciples in in the upper room. And they're speaking God's word in tongues. And people are understanding this in their own language. And there's a crowd, a mass gathered And then they're mesmerized, they're amazed, and they're starting to question this. And Peter steps forward and says this. And Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Peter goes from this, get it under control, do it myself. Give up control and step away. He goes from those two states and he moves into who God had called him to be. And the difference here is the Holy Spirit, is the presence of God in Peter's life. See, as Peter received this Holy Spirit and chose to follow God with his life, he became who he was meant to be. He fulfilled his purpose and he went out boldly, not in his own strength, not in his own weakness, but with God. And this is what it means to be aligned, to be with God, to be walking in relationship with God. This is what it means to abide. It's not what Peter does. It's who Peter is. And it's who Peter's with. When we give God control, when we align with his will and way, when we trust and have faith in him, he moves through our lives. Our ability to abide is the foundation upon which God will expand his kingdom in and through your life. That's what abiding is. I was um, I was thinking of how to illustrate this. I was kind of thinking of an inspiring story to share with you that would capture this in the present day in my walk. And there's lots of stories that were coming into my mind. Um, this morning I was I was sat doing my final notes, thinking what would be a, a good illustration to show this to these people to show what it means to abide. And um, I was sat in the front room. My wife 
is going out to do the kinder run and the school drop offs at the same time. And she's saying, can you, can you walk Gideon, our oldest son, he's sick. Can you walk him to school? And I said, yep, 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 yep. I'll do that. Yep. So I, I'm sticking on my shoes and my, my mind's busy with my thoughts around abiding, how to illustrate this. How do I illustrate this, this concept of abiding? Anyway, we, we, it's only a short walk. We live over the road from this school. So I'm, I start walking along with Gideon and he's next to me, a little bit behind me with his big backpack and, and I'm, I'm deep in thought. I'm consuming these thoughts of how to illustrate abiding. How do I do this? Anyway, at some point during this very short walk, Gideon reaches up and just takes my hand, takes his dad's hand and he holds, holds my hand. And God just snapped something in my mind. He just said, Ryan, what are you doing? You're thinking about how to illustrate abiding. Just start doing it. Just start abiding. And in that moment, I realized, oh, I'm not present. I'm not here. See, the reality is God works in the now. God works in the present. Here in the present is where you're called to abide with him. So I thought, park the sermon. I'm just going to start doing this. So I said to Gideon, how are you going, mate? You excited about your day? And Gideon started jabbering on about school and his first class and what he was going to get doing. And as he did that, I realized this is my primary responsibility. My primary responsibility as a parent is to disciple my children. So I started praying for Gideon. He's telling me about his day. I'm listening. I'm start praying just in my mind. I'm listening, reflecting, and I'm praying for him as we walk. Anyway, we get to the school gate and he, he, runs into the school gate and he does this thing where he stops multiple times as he gets to the front door and he keeps turning around and waving. And I stand on this little hop-up wall and I just wave back every time he turns around. I look like the daggy dad as I'm waving at my son. And I'm still praying for him. I'm going, Lord, give him a great day. Bless him today. And then I notice the hustle and bustle of all these other parents around me. And I start praying for them. I'm like, this is my community. This is who God's put me around. So I start praying for these people. And I'm waving at Gideon. He's saying goodbye. He goes in through the door and I turn around, jump down off the wall and start to walk. And as I look up, I see another parent. I've only met this lady once. My, my wife has met her a couple of times. And she says, oh, hello to me. She knows I'm a church pastor. She says, oh, hi, Ryan. Good to see you again. And we start walking back together. I'm walking up towards my house. She's walking towards her car. And she starts asking questions about church. She starts asking so you're a church pastor. So that's been a big change for you. And she's, she's, in, she's leaning in. And in that moment, I think, this is where God's working. I'm, I'm remaining in him. I'm aligned with his will. I'm now in a conversation for him. So I just ask her this simple question as she's speaking. I said, oh, that's really interesting. Do you have a faith? And she stops. And she starts unpacking deep things that are going on in her life. She starts sharing her grapple, how she's walking. And I'm able to just witness to her, love on her, and invite her in. We finish by saying, oh, you should come over for a red wine chat as we talk through these things. It'd be great for Joey and I to have you over. And we go our separate ways. And as I'm walking back to my house, I just realise this is a picture of what this is meant to be. As we remain in God, he will align our thoughts to his will, to his way. And he'll bring us into situations, into circumstances 
where we can see his glory go out into the world. I don't know where that conversation is going to finish. I don't know who God's calling you to. I don't know how it's going to end up, but I do know who we're following. I do know that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God wants to come into our world. He wants to abide with us and take us into his purposes for our lives. I almost missed out. Don't miss out. Don't get distracted. We're called to partner with God, to be with God as he sets the captives free, as he releases people from bondage, as he brings life into people's lives, as he brings healing, as he brings his will, his way, his purpose into this world, as he builds the kingdom through our lives. Don't miss out. Step in. Step into this posture of abiding like Peter did. Step in. I'm going to pray for us now. Father, we just say yes to your will. We say yes to your way and we ask for your help. Help us remain. Help us fight to remain in your presence. Help us to continuously seek this posture of abiding with you as we walk through our lives. Help us, Lord. Father, show us. Show us how to abide with you well. Show us where you want to take us. Illuminate that path for us, Lord, so that we can follow you with our lives. Father, we just acknowledge that you are the vine, we are the branches. We say yes to you and we choose to be connected to you, Lord, and we invite you to have your will and your way in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.